Hey there, everybody. Thanks for being here for episode number 61 of this Ocean Life podcast. I'm Josh Peterson, your host, and happy to have you. Today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Burnout Sun Care, a family-owned company that specializes in chemical-free, environmentally friendly, and reef-safe sunscreens for water sports athletes and health-conscious families. Check them out at burnoutsun.com. Now, today we speak with George Peterson, a man of the water who spent almost two decades educating the world about our oceans through scuba diving. Now, George takes us through his youth in Iowa, finding scuba diving in Colorado, and then ultimately moving to the island of Utila, Honduras. We hear the story of George and Franz building the first eco-friendly dive resort on Utila, stories of whale shark pods, and George finding his true passion for education and conservation of the oceans, which he finally pursued back to California by joining the Monterey Bay Aquarium. George talks about the amazing work the aquarium does for our oceans, young people, and the disabled through their Underwater Explorers program and Day of Discovery. He talks about their White Shark program and shares his recent trip to Amman in the Middle East where he witnessed some of the most pristine and amazing underwater life he's ever seen. So, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for sharing George's ocean life. If you're interested in ways to help conserve and preserve the ocean, go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium website. Link in the show notes. Talk about everything from plastics to making wise choices for seafood. So, with that, thanks for being here. Let's get into the ocean life of George Peterson. Mr. George Peterson, welcome to the podcast today, my man. Uh, thanks for having me, Josh. Great to see you again. I'm so stoked. We've been playing sort of uh, email tag for a good, I don't know, three, four months. Yeah. And finally, got it together to, to get together. So I appreciate your time, man, you so bet. much. Thanks for having me. I yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. It was funny because we were tra- trading emails and stuff, trying to make it happen. And I had these kind of chicken, you know, what excuses for, oh, my kids, I got to do this and that. And you're like, oh, yeah, we got a time. And you're like, dude, I'm going to what? Oman. Oman, Fiddle East yeah. to go diving, which is a legit excuse. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty good excuse. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I did that. Stoked me out. So yeah, I'm sorry was I missed that? you, but oh. I'm stoked I went to Oman. Yeah, give us a, what was that? What were you, I mean, what were you doing there? Uh, scuba like? diving every yeah. single day, fully immersed in, in the ocean. And I went there with a group called Blue Green Expeditions, some very good friends of mine, uh, Faith Ortens and Paul. And Faith used to be, she, she used to work for Diving Unlimited Internet national okay. tri suits yeah and um faith and paul decided that they kind of wanted to take a little different tact in their careers and now they lead uh expeditions of people all over the world to uh show them fragile unique environments and i got to go with them to oman wow uh, it was amazing it was pretty much an untouched diving destination it's just starting to get opened up to recreational scuba diving uh, and we got the opportunity to steam about 900 miles around the entire coast, what? diving the Gulf of Arabia, doing some exploratory diving uh, on an aggressor boat that yeah. they had rented out. And it was it blew my mind. Wow. Gave me hope. Wow. So you saw something, like you said, that's relatively untouched and kind of air quotes water you saw. Yeah. And I'll ask you about the hope thing in a moment. but. There, like you said, there's no scuba diving. So you, in many spots, I'm guessing, were some of the first humans to actually go down and see the stuff under the water. Yeah, or not see it because it yeah. wasn't the greatest dive site in the yeah. world, but yeah. that's exploratory yeah. diving. Right. But at the same time, um, seeing untouched reefs. Really? And, and you know, largely... Uh, 
subsistence fishing by fishermen uh, in villages. There wasn't whole scale commercial fishing. Uh, We didn't see hardly any coral bleaching. I mean, vibrant, healthy corals, huge schools of fish, uh, pelagics, predators. It it was truly amazing and inspiring, like, like diving used to be years and years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's incredible, especially coming from somebody who, as we get down the, the podcast here today, has been all over the place, diving thousands and thousands of dives, seen a lot of different things for you to come back and be have your mind blown pretty much saying something. So that's, like you said, that is the hope, that is inspirational to hear, like, wow, there's something like that. There is, it's you know? out there and it gives us all hope. And, yeah. Uh, we gotta keep trucking, we, we have that's a job insane. to do. Yeah. We gotta keep doing it. That's awesome, man. So part of that, I mean, your day-to-day job is, you work for the Monterey Bay Aquarium. You've been there for a long time. You run the diving program, and a huge part of that yeah. is, and I can't remember the mantra of the aquarium. It's around education and inspiration and conservation and everything, but that's a big part of what you do. So take us through kind of your day-to-day working for this world-famous institution. Absolutely. You know, And what is that like and your responsibilities? Uh, it's an amazing platform. So my job, I'm the director of dive programs at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and the mission of, of the Monterey Bay Aquarium is to inspire conservation of the ocean. And, you know, everything that we do, that mission statement pervades it. Every single thing that we do, that's our metric. Did we move the needle of ocean conservation? Wow. Um, the aquarium is a tremendous platform and we have amazing resources thanks to our members and donors and people who come through the door every day paying the admission ticket and it allows us to uh, work on ocean conservation stoking kids which we're going to talk about here in a little bit by getting them in the water stoking people out just seeing the underwater world through our exhibits and then we also have a very healthy policy and conservation and science wing that's doing some great great work also yeah yeah there's so much so many different facets of what the aquarium does and then there's the research institute in bari which is a a sister organization but heavy in the tech heavy into actual like really deep research but day to day for running a dive program there's a lot of different aspects of that for you because you have volunteer divers who scrub glass, feed animals, people going out to collect. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So what is like your big thing that you do is just, I guess, keep yeah. it all together? Yeah, well, it's myself and a team of people who do that. Yeah. And it's funny, next week is I will have completed my 16th full year of working at the aquarium. Wow. And man. I really can't remember any two days that were the same. Really? It's it's such a varied and different job. But um, in a nutshell, we do we we do about 7500 dives a year so the aquarium has dive operations happening in the exhibits in the ocean uh we could be doing research collections animal observations um subtitle monitoring uh training up to 364 days a year we dive all over the world um wherever that work takes us and um I think it's no two days are the same. So out of that group, we have about 110 volunteer divers. Those folks, their main tasks are to do presentations, to help us a little bit in the field, but then to also maintain our exhibits, to keep our exhibits in those windows clean so the guests can see in, the fish can see out. And, And that's critical to our mission. Yeah, They're also the first line of defense. They're in that water and in those exhibits, three to four times a week for, uh, we haven't missed a beat since we've opened. I mean, we rarely go more than two or three days without a team of divers in there. So we really see um, 
we're monitoring those those animals and our little unique environment and ecosystem on a long-term basis yeah you know long-term right. monitoring yeah right. uh, and then as well as just cleaning those windows and, yeah. and making sure everybody can see in and fish see out yeah the other side of that is we have about 50 staff divers and those folks uh, uh, are employed by the aquarium as aquarists, biologists, educators, uh, and they dive as a function of their job. And so they could be doing uh, any sort of task underwater from, again, collections, research, animal observations, just becoming a better aquarist yeah. by observing the ecosystem, observing the critters and the interactions in it, and then going back and recreating that environment. Uh -huh in their exhibit, yeah. right? Um, and then we also have, so, so we've got a volunteer dive team, we've got a staff dive team, and then in the summer, we have what's called underwater explorers. Yeah, yeah. That is my, you see, I'm a, I just started yeah, smiling. Yeah, a huge smile. That is right my now. favorite yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. And I was originally hired in 2003 to be the first supervisor of the concept or the idea of Underwater Explorers, which is a kids scuba experience program. Yeah. So since uh, the summer of 2003, seven days a week, four times a day during the summer for about 90 days each wow. summer, we take approximately 3,000 kids scuba diving. Yeah. Just this last summer, Josh, we passed, uh, we are, I think, 100 kids away from 42,000 <laughs> participants. That's insane. 42,000 kids we've stoked on the ocean wow. in that time. Yeah. And there are so many stories and individual stories yeah. of, of these children and what they've gone on to do for ocean conservation. Oh, incredible. In their, in their daily lives, whatever that life yeah. might look like now. Um, yeah. It, Again, it's an amazing platform and it's an, an, yeah. it's an amazing uh, environment to be in at the Monterey Bay. Oh, Aquarium. for sure. And my son did that, um, the Underwater Explorers program at the aquarium, uh, which is uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium, here we call it the aquarium. Uh, oh, I'm guessing he must have been eight or nine. So that's a good solid seven-ish years ago. Yeah. And what was struck me about it and so for folks listening if you imagine oh, okay these kids put scuba gear on and jump in the water well yeah they do but this is like something completely different because a the monterey bay aquarium is this gorgeous like just structural place it's just insane right on the monterey bay it's incredibly beautiful but where you guys have this the setup is basically like a it's like a um it's a um oh, i'm blanking on the word but it is a controlled outdoor environment exactly right because it's like a big tide pool but it's kind of there's not waves slamming on it exactly you guys put critters in there it's big and everybody above can watch the kids and you give them killer dry suits all the cool gear and they just cruise around you pair them up with people it's insane I mean, even my son who is an ocean kid yeah who had been fishing and caught big fish and done all kinds of stuff and he and kind of dove a little bit he was just tripping so what are some of the, like the takeaways you see of parents and kids who might be no, you've never even been to the ocean, maybe, who yeah. see this stuff. Uh, God, it's amazing. It's, again, 42,000 kids. They come from all yeah. over the world. And for anybody out there listening, if you've been to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, you walk through the, uh, the main entrance, walk right out to the back deck. You yeah. open these fantastic, beautiful, uh, big glass doors, and the Monterey Bay smacks you in the face. It's right, right there. And we literally have an amphitheater around built up on a large deck 
overlooking what we call the Great Tide Pool, yeah, named after right. Steinbeck's Great Tide Pool. Yeah. Uh, it's about six to seven feet deep in its deepest part. It's got shallow areas too. Uh, and there are natural and man-made rocks that we have built up. Yeah. So it's the Pacific Ocean, but in a sheltered environment. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a little platform to get kids into the water, get kids out of the water. And not only do we stock that that great tide pool with some critters so that the, the yeah. kids can get stoked on them, but we also, it's naturally occurring. Tide rises, yeah. critters come Stuff in, critters in, go yeah. out. It's a real naturally occurring tide yeah. pool. There's teachable moments all the time that yeah. happen with animal interactions. Um, Again, it's a such a cool place to actually be able to take kids diving. Yeah, that um, I'm really stoked. Well, got me a job 16 years yeah. ago, and I'm really stoked <laughs> that the aquarium are. is still doing yeah. it. Yeah, and it's funny because earlier you had met, you had asked like, "What do I do daily?" Well, myself and a team of dive yeah. safety officers and dive officers, one of which you're very good friends with, Scott Chapman. Um, we all started by working on that program. Oh, wow. That's how That's we cool. got our start at the aquarium. Yeah. And now we run larger yeah. programs for them, but Underwater Explorers yeah. remains near and dear yeah. to our heart. Yeah, that's James cool. Bonovich is the manager of that program. And, yeah. and I've got a team of five folks, six, seven folks, depending on any given uh, yeah. month, who, who administer those 7,500 annual dives over 364 days a year. Yeah, and geez. we have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, do you have a version of that for like uh, disabled kids too? We do, children with disabilities. So we call, the, we call it the day of discovery. And the day of discovery is actually how we started Underwater Explorers. Mm. So Underwater Explorers started in 2003. In 2002, before I worked there, I was still, I was still running a dive resort in Honduras. Yep. And the dive safety officers at the time, Gavin Watkin and Gil Falcone, yep. came up with this idea, and you, you know those guys, yep. came up with this fantastic idea. And Gavin's wife had worked in physical therapy and water therapy for uh, yeah. folks with disabilities up in the South Bay. And Gavin had assisted her in some of the therapies and together they came up with this idea, brought Gil into the whole mix yeah. and decided they were gonna run a program for children with disabilities yep. to go scuba diving. Yeah. Uh, they did so. That day was so popular in wow. 2002, the summer day or some early summer morning in our gray tide pool, that uh, the aquarium thought there was no way we couldn't continue yeah. to do this for everybody, right. for every kid. Yeah. And the next year, they hired me uh, for a three-month temporary position, and 17 years later, I'm yeah. still here. Yeah, yeah. And so you have the, the the discovery days. You slot those in with the normal population of kids jumping in the water. Is that like a scheduled thing, like once a week? Once we a do. Month? So the day of discovery has now evolved into uh, three days, and we have a we have two mm -hmm. partners. But our main partner is the Salinas Valley Memorial Hospital System, the healthcare system, yeah. and Children's Miracle Network. Cool. Great folks over there. Yeah. As well as Carmel Valley Women's Club, and they're, yeah. they're one of our longtime supporters as well. And with those folks, we bring Day of Discovery three times a year yeah. to the Underwater Explorers uh, program. Cool. All the caregivers, all of the families, all of the participants get into the aquarium free. The fee to do Underwater Explorers is waived. Yep. It's free. Um, 
and we've taken a couple thousand kids with yeah. disabilities scuba diving oh, since in- that. Incredible. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of that stuff. And on the podcast, we have a few different um, events that happen that are very much tied to that. There's Ride Away Wave yeah. that started here and that's spread to other um, Best Day, all kinds of different places. Maliola, Kids with Cystic Fibrosis. Yeah, I've heard that podcast. Great yeah, podcast. It's, it's, I just love, the f- I love hearing about different ways people are helping kids who don't have the physical ability to do what we do and taking you know, it. I, I take for granted my kids do it. We just yeah. went surfing yesterday yeah. again for the four thousandth time, and there's kids who can do that. So I love hearing, you know, about this. It's very cool, man. You know, and what I call it, I call it, the ocean is a great equalizer. Yeah, we all need adaptations yeah. to get into the ocean. We need adaptations to stay warm. To, yeah. to we need fins. We need masks, right? Yeah. And and so it's the same. If I'm in a wheelchair or not, I still need those adaptations. They might just be a little, yeah, different, a little different for me to access yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Um, but for us, this is like a community event, and we have dive programs from uh, aquariums in in the uh, Bay Area scientific dive programs come down from the Santa Cruz area. It's a community event. We call it the best day of the year. It truly is the best day of the year at the aquarium. Better than Christmas. Beats Santa Claus any day. Yeah, yeah, so it's such a cool thing to do. Nice, that's super cool. So now we're talking about the here and now today and we mentioned you've been diving forever. You alluded to Honduras and so there's also like, hey, how did this guy get to the position where you could become this, the, the operator of this amazing dive program? And you got this really cool story that we, I'd like to hear now because a lot of the folks always ask, so where'd you grow up? Did you grow up surfing? And you know, where, what <laughs> yeah. beach were you from? And like, I'm not sure if you were. I think you kind of, Iowa is part of- Sioux City, Iowa, dude. Your, yeah, so. <laughs> the beach of the Missouri River. All you Sioux Cityans out there, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so- um, Let's go through that then, George. And I know there's a bunch of stories on the way. How, how did this kid from Sioux City, Iowa, yeah. end up diving a few months ago in the Gulf of Oman and yeah. now here in Monterey for a long time, building this amazing career, man? Take us through yeah. that. Yeah, all right. Sometimes I, I, I'm still wondering how I got here myself. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up in Iowa in the 70s and 80s. Um, and my parents and their family were pleasure boaters. We were on the Missouri River, and it's a. There's a lot of lakes. There's a lot big rivers in Iowa. There's a lot of pleasure boating, water skiing, and just going and having yeah. fun. And I grew up around boats and on my parents' boats and all their friends' boats. And my brother and I loved being on the water, under the water, and you name it. We were just water babies in the pool, in the river, in the lakes. And when I was a little kid, I always told my friends growing up, "I'm going to move to California when I'm older." We're going to talk to any of y'all again. I'm going to move to California. Well, I still talk to him, but I have moved to California. Uh, I don't know how the heck I got here, but I was always attracted to the water and the ocean. And then it's kind of funny. I was uh, studying at the University of Iowa, which is where I went to college. Graduated from there with a degree in political science. Yeah. They didn't have a marine biology program, but before I was a political science major, I was a biology major. And then I ran into organic chemistry and Mm. organic chemistry and I didn't really see eye to eye. (laughs) That was one seminal moment. But then the other seminal moment was when I met Dr. Joel Barkin. 
And Dr. Joel Barkin has since passed away, but Joel was a professor of political science at the University of Iowa. And Joel was very much into um, African studies and development and how sustainable development yep. influences policy. And I got to know Joel and Dr. Barkin really, um, he didn't have to convince me too hard, but he kind of pushed me in my trajectory. And I was interested in the nexus of sustainability, policy, and hard science. Hmm. And I got, with Dr. Barkin's guidance and help, to create this really cool kind of customized education uh, that's labeled as a political science degree from the University of Iowa, yeah. but it really something was else focused entirely, on yeah. something totally else entirely. Got it. And that's kind of what what pushed me towards my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Right. And gotcha. then after I graduated from Iowa, I was just uh, I was ready to go out and adventure, and I was never going to be a nine to five type of person. Yeah. You know, I've been listening to your podcast, and some folks uh, they have changed their life. Yeah. For me, I was never going right. to be one of those nine to five <laughs> folks. That that wasn't in the cards, and so I moved to Colorado, and I was a ski bum, mm -hmm. and I'd go skiing in the winter. And in the summer, I was into mountain biking and road biking and bicycle touring, ride my bike across the country or halfway across the country. Um, and that really, really, you know, kind of made me realize I don't have to follow a traditional yeah. path to do that, but I do have to follow my passion. Right. And right about that same time, we would also, and I lived in Colorado during the mud season. Uh, you couldn't go mountain biking, but you couldn't ski. Uh, we needed something to do. And after I got certified to scuba dive in Colorado, uh, me and my buddies would take six, eight weeks uh, every spring and we'd head down to Baja with fishing boats, surfboards, oh, wow. dive gear, yeah. little trailers, and we'd live up and down the Baja coast, oh, diving, yes. fishing, surfing, drinking beer, and yeah. having fun. Yeah. Um, and that really, really pushed me into the ocean lifestyle. Hmm. Absolutely. And I yeah. got certified in Colorado. Me and that same group of ski bum bicycle friends had got certified when one of our buddies decided to become a scuba instructor. My best buddy, Scott Cooper. Yeah. And Scott grabbed a bunch of us and said, I need to practice yeah. my new scuba instructorship uh, and I'm going to certify all you guys. And he did so in a, the Aurora Reservoir in Colorado. I think it was 1995 or something like that. I can't quite remember. And I saw a crayfish, a log, a rock, a sunken plane, and oh, I was hooked. Insane. I knew this yeah. is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, started traveling and traveling and diving, and uh, that kind of that pushed me into, the, into yeah. the ocean lifestyle. Got it. So you your buddy got you certified. You're already a water guy. You're already interested in the ocean because you're doing these cool Baja trips. You get certified. Being underwater, you just opened this whole new world of the water for you. Yeah. And then so then you started what in between taking vacations from work and going on a plane and going somewhere to go diving around the world. Is that your you were now doing dive sort of vacations and stuff yeah so so it still took me a couple years to go full-on ocean right. right and so i'm in colorado uh, i'm still being a ski bum and i'm still riding my bike but i started to go to honduras or travel mm. around the world to go scuba diving yeah. a few different places and i'd take yeah. you know two three four months over that summertime out of my busy bike riding ski bum schedule yeah yeah <laughs> to go uh, <laughs> yeah right to go to go scuba diving and 
I ended up on in doing the Larutamaya, you know, which a lot of university kids in the mid '90s did from the United States and and from um, Europe. Basically, that's like the root of the Mayans. You start oh. um, that whole great the barrier reef yeah. in Central America. You kind of follow that whole path, um, and it's just like a three month circuit. Right, and so I was doing that, and I and traveling and diving in Belize and elsewhere, and I ended up on this tiny little dive island called Utila, the Bay Islands of Honduras. Wow. Um, I still have great friends there today, yeah. lifelong friends who were born and raised on that island, and Utila, uh, it's where the world goes to learn how to scuba dive. Right, right. Utila it's, uh, itself is like a. Gosh, I think the inhabitable the inhabitable part of the island when I lived there was maybe a mile and a half or two miles long. Wow. And there were like 13, 14, 15 dive shops within that mile, right? And it's just people go there to learn how to scuba dive. Yeah. I went there to, I had already learned, knew how to dive, but I went there just to have some fun. Thought I was going to stay for six or seven days yeah. and I ended up staying about six years. <laughs> Yeah. So what hooked you? What was what? What'd you get into then that left kept you there for that long? Well, I was there with some friends of mine, and uh, we were hanging out, and uh, just every day, new groups of people would come in, and we were diving every day. I was hanging out with a big group of Irish guys and some French Canadian guys, and and we were all just kind of stoking everybody out about the ocean and new. The, these kids would come in from La Ruta Maya and they'd come to Honduras and you wanted, you know, our whole deal was we needed to get people to sign up for classes and fun dives so that the boat would go out so yeah. that we yeah. could go diving. <laughs> so uh, you're hustling a little for a little the motivation. boat for your own. So we're hustling, yeah. we're hustling, hustling, hustling. <laughs> and all of, all of a sudden, before you know it, uh, the owner of the dive shop at the time, Mamie Lou, who's born and raised in Utila, looks up and we've got a full dive shop. And she said, George, I think, you know, why don't you come back and manage the shop? <laughs> and I said, I'm going to go to Colorado, sell everything, and I'll be back in a couple weeks. No and way. That's like what that I did. Yeah. Took you about, what, five seconds to decide that? Five seconds to decide that, Josh. Wow. And I went back to Colorado. I was there for maybe 10 days, got rid of all my stuff, moved down to Honduras, and started it up. So how'd that feel, man? So in the blink of an eye, this woman who you knew invites you to do this, and you said yes and you handshake and you get on the plane, like I can only imagine the elation that you felt knowing what you're about to go do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you're entering this new insane, rad chapter of your life. Like I can't imagine like the giddiness you must have felt like I'm going back there to stay. I um, could dive every day. This is my like, gig. That must've just been, Yeah. how old were you at that time? 20s? I think I, no, let's see, I was probably, Seven, I was probably 27, yeah. 28 yeah, at the perfect. time, oh. you know, and it was um, it was life changing. It was one of two seminal moments yeah. in my ocean life that yeah. kind of really um, right. impacted me. And that was the first one. Yeah. And so we're down there Well, I'm down there and, I, and I'm kind of doing the same thing, bringing folks to this dive shop and we're just rocking and rolling. And then I got the opportunity to take over the lease, the dive operator license for that for that particular dive shop. So I brought some friends of mine into it um, who had some experience in sustainability mm. and development. And we created our own company called Rockstone Resorts. Uh, and what we did was we took over this lease and this was pre Airbnb. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. This didn't. It's, I, re- I signed up for my first email address while I was yeah. in Honduras. Right. That time frame. And we ended up um, purchasing a piece of land on the opposite side of the island from where everything was de- where everything was developed. And what we were going to do was build a basically build a couple houses for a hundred of our closest friends. We were going to give have them give us a little bit of money yeah. uh, to run it, and we were going to build an eco groovy off the grid sustainable resort, kind of pre Airbnb yeah. yeah. in that style. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these things didn't really exist at the time. Yeah. Right. So. We went and we did that. So at the same time we were operating this business uh, on one side of the island, we were starting to develop this yeah. piece of property on the other side of the island in a sustainable eco groovy right. way. It's totally off the grid, yeah, right? Cool. Um, and four or five years later, we had realized our dream. Yeah. And it was a heck of a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun. The adventures I had, all throughout the Caribbean with, you know, lifelong friends from all over yeah. the world made me who I am today. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Wow. So you have a dive shop, you create this eco-friendly resort and you start basically, that's your, now your lifestyle. You're splitting time between running those things and then your own time getting in the water. So around that time, I mean, you, I, there's probably, again, a thousand different stories, but do you remember a couple times of your own experience in the water, either around Util or somewhere else in the Caribbean during that time frame that just like one of those one of those moments that still stand out in your mind being underwater with me was, was a certain animal or some some certain dive uh being under trip. being underwater there I was lucky you know there's a resident pod of whale sharks in Honduras yeah and I was lucky enough to experience those animals a on a regular and recurring basis wow. yeah. how many oh gosh I think the most we saw at one time was 12 15 at wow. once including uh one that we like to nickname old tom and he was named by some of the old utilian fishermen really and old tom i had a 45 47 foot boat yeah and old tom was bigger than that no boat. way he was a big old whale shark and you would just see him and he i would just cruising see around him and so Right. My, my job so then at cool. that time was to get people stoked on the ocean and take them diving. And I was a diver. That was what I was right. into. But it's also the Caribbean. It's a backpacker resort. I had a bar, yeah. had a restaurant. Yeah. Um, I had that whole thing. And there's a certain amount of hedonism involved. Yeah. That's, that was my job. Yeah. And um, I loved seeing the animals. And then at night, it was this whole other yeah. social environment. We'll Bunch of other at, animals. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but I kind of wanted something more out of my career yeah. and I wanted to give back to the ocean yeah. a little bit. And how I learned how to do that or saw a path on how to do that was at the time there were a couple university dive programs and I cannot remember from what university in England that would come over and engage in scientific diving studies ah. in Utila. Yep. And I started talking to these folks and really got interested in what they were doing. Graduating from the University of Iowa, which has no research dive program. Right. Many inland schools do, but this one didn't. Um, I, wasn't exper- I wasn't exposed to that, even in my professional life as a scuba instructor. Sure. Right. You know, I was a PADI and an Andean technical dive instructor, but I didn't really have an idea on scientific diving. Yeah. And... Scientific diving is like diving with a passion and a purpose. Yeah, and that that really got me stoked. And, yeah, and I thought, you know what? 
I kind of want to use my background and use my dive skills and I want something more out of my career and yeah. I want to give back to the ocean. Yeah. And that's when I said, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to jump out of this. Right. And I sold, uh, I divested my interest to my partner and good friend, Tommy Poole, yep. who, who then went on to develop and build an eco groovy Airbnb style yeah. Yeah, uh, cool. crib in Honduras. Yeah. Uh, Congrats to him, but I was on a different path right. and a different trajectory. Yeah. So you were before you met these these groups from the UK, these college basically diving um, programs. Were you already kind of thinking of you were ready for something else? Yeah, I was. Yeah, and then you saw, well, those guys are diving, which that was you. That was all you're all about it. But then you saw a way that you could apply the diving, your love and passion to research or monitoring or concert or whatever. And that's what these guys were doing. And, so and like, outreach and everything together. went off yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still I still didn't know how to put that yeah, all together, right, right. but I knew that there was a path. It was right. like the little light at the end of the tunnel, Got right? It. Got it. And for folks out there, especially young kids, I'm about stoking young kids right yeah. now. And kids out there listening, like, be passionate and be persistent. Just yeah. keep at it and, and the opportunities that you know, when, when an opportunity arises and you're prepared, yeah, that's right. There's no such thing as luck. Yeah, it's, it's opportunity those two and preparation. Coming when together, they meet, right. you take advantage of it. Yeah. And so I I was focused, man, and yeah. that's what I did. And wow. so I get back to the States. Um, and we'll talk about what also helped me or pushed me to come back to the States in a minute. Yeah. That was the second seminal moment yep. in my life and my career. But I come back to the States and um, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. Yeah. You came back to Colorado? Where'd you... Uh, back land? to San Francisco. Got it. And on the coast. So on the coast. Yeah. And I had previously had a house in Santa Cruz. So I had spent some time in Santa Cruz, was dry, going or flying back and forth from Honduras a fair bit yep. to get our business going. I had a kind of an office and a house based in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Um, but I came back to California and just trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. And a job opening popped up. And a friend of mine who was a scientific diver at UC Santa Cruz at the time worked in Long Marine Lab, mm -hmm. sent me a job link and said, Hey, dude, you need to apply for this temporary dive officer job at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. You meet all these requirements. Yeah. Uh, you need to get back into the water. I know you've been out for a little bit. Why don't you apply for this job? And I was like, Wow, this might be it. Yeah. But then, Josh, I'm thinking, Okay, I'm a recreational scuba diver. I have yeah. a political science degree. <laughs> I'm from Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs> Monterey Bay Aquarium's not going to hire me. <laughs> and I, I actually said it's crazy to think that they're going to hire me. So, yeah, yeah. Job closes about five o'clock on a Friday. It's maybe 3 30 on a Friday when I get this email from my friend. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something together, cobbled together yeah. a little resume and cover letter, sent that off. And again, I'm like, I'm crazy. They're not going to hire me. I show up for the first interview. Uh, and after that interview, I drove back to San Francisco and I told my friends, they're crazy if they don't hire me. Yeah. I can do yeah. this. This Dude. is mine. I can yeah. do this. Uh, I can build this team. We, yeah. we can do it. And uh, 17 years later, yeah. here I so am. So that was it. You came back to San Francisco from Honduras looking to figure out what that next move was, then got the opportunity via a friend who... If you think about that, and I love these kind of things too, I'm sure you have. What if he hadn't seen that opening? 
Yeah. She. She. She hadn't seen And you that wouldn't opening. have been informed. Who, I mean, it's just like one of those like passes, doors open and close, and then like, you know, that's, that's really cool. This moon, the moon and stars It's so true. And, and then, you know. In my life, so many things like that have happened. Like, I truly know it's, I'm fulfilling my destiny yeah. in this job. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a crazy man. feeling. That's man. awesome. I think, I'm, I think that's right when we met because as we were talking, yeah. we we're trying to figure out, and I, I remember because somebody, I think it might have been Chad King introduced us i think it was at the breakwater i'm just trying to piece this together yeah there i was diving out there on yeah, one of my off days like, i remember that i swear it was like just george and and i remember do you, I, my earliest memory of you was yeah coming out of the water maybe i was too i'm not sure but it was this the stoke this passion like you were so amped you know like it was it was cool like that was one of the things i remembered about you was just like you were just stoked on so doing you, this dude. stuff you know so were you yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why we gravitated yeah, toward exactly. each other. But, uh, exactly. And then do you yeah. remember also, you know, going back into the annals of the uh, dive program history at the aquarium and also the Simon dive program. Yeah. And uh, you had Dr. Steve Lonhart on your your yes. podcast a little yeah. while ago. Yeah. And you, you too alluded to... Uh, Steve's essentially money laundering activities. The guy had to figure out how to raise money to do the Simon Dive program underneath the sanctuary. Well, yeah. there was a year or two where for some reason that money, that federal money for Simon flowed through the aquarium. Yeah. And you guys were aquarium we were employees. divers. Yeah. And I, as a brand new fledgling dive safety officer, assistant dive safety officer, did your guys' checkout dives. Yeah, yeah. And here I am That's like right. trying to, you know, I'm doing a <laughs> checkout dive for these experienced research divers. I'm a brand new DSO. It's like, yeah. yeah, you guys were you guys are easy on me. I appreciate that. Oh, no, but, no but, I remember that. But it was like one of those, and, and this is one of the challenges, I think, to all everything we're talking about around conservation and preservation is if you do your own thing on your own, it's one thing. But if you work for like an agency, like a private institution, the aquarium, do you have your OSHA requirements and other safety things? But sure. then you like the government, which is we all expect, well, the government should be protecting whales, the dolphins, blah, blah, blah. Man, it's just another level of bureaucracy. And so when we were working with you yeah. guys, it was it was the only way for this little program yeah. with four dudes that had some money. Hey, aquarium, can you have these guys under your umbrella for a while? Oh, and they're divers too. And it's like... Like, we don't know what OSHA is. You know, we do yeah. different. Anyway, it was interesting, but it was that's cool an interesting perspective too, Josh. Because you, if you think about it, like we know more about the moon than yeah. we know about the ocean. Yeah, this is our planet. Yeah, you know, the vast majority of life on our planet exists in the ocean. Yeah, we as scuba divers get to see that much of it. Oh yeah, just right. Not even a sliver. We have no idea what's underneath there, and so the fight for marine science is. It's real, yeah. and the fight for resources is real. Yeah. Climate deniers—that's yeah. the climate yeah. change denier. That's real, yeah. and it's something we have to face today. And yeah. We have to we have to work on that. No, agreed. And that's one of the things I love about what you're doing with getting the kids in the water because being underwater with scuba diving again—it's like a seminal thing. And I love that word you've used because some people again who maybe never even been underwater, even to the beach, when they're underwater. It's like that lightning bolt. And I've had people on the show who are like, oh, I wasn't, yeah, I just kind of took a class and boom, my first drop down, my life changed. Things change. And that's what we need more people who want to be in the water because yeah. we need people in the water to go figure out what's going on under the water yeah. to see what we can do about it, you know? And it's not easy, right? Especially here, cold, 
Research diving's tough, long days. It's not like chilling on the boat in your bikini after having a beer after a 30-foot dive in blue water. It's like, it's a little different. You but know? you know what I love about the Underwater Explorers program and taking 42,000 kids diving is there are some marine scientists who first, who, who are working in our field today who started in Underwater Explorers. Oh, really? There's some great marine yeah, scientists. Exactly. But at the same time, there's some great educators. Yeah. There's some great salespeople. Yeah. There's some great software engineers. But you know what they are now? They're ocean advocates. Yeah, that's right. Somebody shared the ocean with them and the love of the ocean with them. And now they stoke people in their job. And that's what we need. Yeah. The ocean isn't just for scientists right. and research. It's for all of us. It, yeah. it's, it provides our life on the planet. Yeah, yeah, dead on. It's very true. It's true. And the more, and, and like you mentioned, the, a variety of disciplines from software engineering to writing grants to educating to putting a mask on and diving and everything in between is required, you know. And so, yeah, people get inspired. That's one of the neat things about the aquarium is, and I see people I know, I work over in the Bay Area, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't aren't ocean people, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And they're posting pictures on Instagram of a shot of a fish from the aquarium. Something that you and I, we, yeah, we would be there physically see it, appreciate the beauty. But it's like I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't post that. But it's really important to them. They're, 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 the, the aquarium is, and other aquariums like that are giving them a connection to that environment and that animal that they may never have otherwise. Yeah. You know, I'm sick of seeing cat videos on, on YouTube. <laughs> I like fish videos, man. Fish worship. Is it wrong? I don't think so. I know. I know. <laughs> so then day to day now, um, how much are you getting in the water? I know, like, what does that look like with your busy, well, now else. I'm the director of the dive program yeah. now. And before that, I was the diving safety officer, acronym DSO. Yep. Uh, the industry term, the insider uh, industry nickname for a DSO is not dive safety officer, but dive seldom officer. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. um, as a director, I can tell you I dive even less. Yep. But I'm going to circle back or go back to that underwater explorers program again. Yeah. Um, my job now isn't my job now is to facilitate getting people in the water, yeah, right? Right, And so that's what I do. Yeah, and that's what yeah. the, the staff that I'm lucky enough right. to get to work with, a very talented group of individuals, um, that's our job at the aquarium. And yeah. so yes, we certainly have to be able to do each and every one of those dives, but it's to facilitate diving for other folks. That's what our jobs are. Yeah, right, right, right. And that's what you're about basically. And so, yeah. so side by side, your perspective on the stoke you get, as you mentioned, you're, you're so psyched on getting kids in the water. Today, facilitating what you're doing, getting other people in the water to, to, to feel a connection next to like your own in the water. Those times where we are, we're so lucky. Or it could be anywhere, but like, you know, that perfect day with the kelp forest. I mean, like where those, it's pure and utter, you know, elation, you know. If there's different, that kind of juice you get from those things, are they similar? Yeah. Like, how do you describe that? Oh man, I get juice from so many things in the water, like just the natural environment, the animals. You know, I've got, I've got a, I've done a lot of work with white sharks, um, and not necessarily research, but diving and observing with them through right. through a project that we've had at the aquarium for yeah. a number of years. Um, I've got to work with uh, mobulid rays in Mexico and had some really amazing experiences right. underwater, free diving and scuba diving yeah. with them. Um, 
But where I get my stoke the most and where the absolute best day I've ever had underwater was in the Great Tide Pool in 2004 with a young boy who was blind named yeah. Zach Brunel. Wow. And Zach, um, Zach had cancer and Zach has since passed away, but Zach's dream was to do underwater explorers. That's yeah. what his aunt was a guide at the aquarium. And in the very first year of Underwater Explorers, 2003, uh, Zach showed up, able-bodied young boy in UE, Underwater Explorers was sold out. He couldn't do it. He lived in Bellingham, Washington, and he told his parents, I wanna do that next year. Great, that sounds great, Zach. We'll come back down yeah. and visit your aunt. Um, in that ensuing year, Zach got cancer. He had, I believe he had a tumor that was pressing on his optical nerve. Uh, oh. So he was also blind. Uh, he had a, a feed bag when he was with us. And Zach showed Whoa. up at the aquarium after a, after a little, a very short pre-notification and showed up to do underwater explorers, but Zach had these afflictions yeah. at the time. And yeah, we had a day of discovery and I had mentioned that it predated underwater explorers, but after we went diving with Zach that day, I was in the water along with another woman, Pamela Wade, who's an educator yeah. at the aquarium, still works at the aquarium today also, started in underwater explorers. Her and I took Zach scuba diving. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house except yeah. for Zach and Pamela and I. Right. We went home and cried yeah. that day. Um, Zach touched us all. Yeah. His amazing courage, his spirit, his inquisitive, he was very inquisitive. Um, and he was also witty and funny and yeah. wise beyond his years. Wow. 12 year old little boy who's facing these life afflictions. Crazy. Zach was my inspiration yeah. and our inspiration. Yeah. We renamed the Day of Discovery, the Zach Brunel Day of Discovery, oh, right on. and it resolved our mission to bring more and yeah, to like, bring the ocean to more and more kids. Right. And that's the absolute best day I've ever, ever. had in the ocean, wow. hands down. So this kid came a year prior healthy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I want to do this. Couldn't because it was full. In the ensuing year, this happened. Yeah. Lost his vision. And a lot in cancer, and now was in it. Oh, that's crazy! And then he was close. Yeah, he was, yeah, close to it. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it takes something like that. Somebody so often for us to acknowledge like <laughs> the little things that we worry about or the petty shit in our lives. And that's one of the great things about Ride a Wave. You know these kids, and one of the cool stories. Um, a good friend, uh, Steiny, who's been on there. He's been down there forever. He goes, he goes. There was something he was describing it from the first time I saw. It. He's like, it's absolutely transformational. He's like this kid who never even said a word after this day said boogie board. Yeah, you know, it's like, and so with that kind of stuff is just so. It's amazing. It's we amazing. so so now seven rewind seventeen years yeah. later. We've taken thousands of kids with disability scuba diving. We get testimonials in the form of emails, letters, phone calls. Um, we get testimonials from parents that have seen expressions in, uh, in their children after yeah. doing Day of Discovery Underwater Explorers that they had never seen right. before. We've seen kids who started doing Underwater Explorers who weren't verbal. Now, three or four years later, yeah. they're verbal. They're high yeah. functioning. Wow. They're go they have jobs, they're going to school, and their, their mothers, their fathers tell yeah. us it's because of underwater sports, right. it's because of scuba diving. Yeah. We have one young lady who's done, 
she her father calls it her therapy. Right. She has done underwater explorers over a hundred times. Yeah, it's just it's it's pretty amazing. The ocean yeah. is the ocean's the healer. Yeah, and it really huh. is. That's crazy, man. It's so cool. I mean, it's like a healer for for us physically able people to just like immerse ourselves and people say things make more sense in the water than on land like i agree with that a thousand percent but it's not just it's also for people who aren't physically completely fit or you yeah. know i mean it's it is it is so and there's a cool book i was just talking to somebody that i had just i'd read a few years back uh something blew something about it's a Blue Mind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just read it. Uh, you, I read it in Oman. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's just like, and you Jay read it, you're like, Nichols. ah, I get what's, I get what's going on in my head now because yeah. it's natural for us as humans to just feel this yeah. sense of comfort being in the ocean. Yeah, and know, Nichols lays out the science behind yeah, it. It's, it's fantastic, it's isn't cool, it? Man. It's like yeah. all, it's, all the water people I know love that book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so fantastic, cool. man. Yeah. You know, and I think that 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 you know, day of discovery and and. We talk about the ocean being the healer. It's like the spiritual rock for me. It's, you know, the ocean has provided yeah. everything for me. Yeah. But the ocean also took away things from mm. me, a lot of things. And it, um, the respect I have for the ocean and yeah. the, the place that, it, the role that it plays in my life and the, the life of Californians and coastal people and the entire nation, I think, our job is to maybe make that connection that, yeah. that the role it plays in all of us. Right. I think it's we're just now starting to understand that yeah. on so many different levels. Yeah, yeah. Right? I agree with you. And I'm just, it's funny, I'm starting to feel the same way too after I look back and growing up in Santa Cruz, really lucky, done everything you can imagine in the ocean, really lucky. But it was just always there. It was like, you know, your bike you just jump on your bike and you go do it you don't realize yeah. until your bike's broken or yeah. you know whatever you're like man i re i'm really i was really fortunate to have that thing but the ocean you know now i maybe it's seeing it through my kids eyes helping them maybe it's seeing like the disabled kids jump in the water probably also talking to folks on the podcast around the world but and maybe also because you hear a lot of stuff that the ocean's not doing well in many different ways mm -hmm. plastics to overfishing to you can get into it forever but I realized too is that, as you just said, it's like this really starting to appreciate it as like the why. The provider I'm of here. life. It's why <laughs> yeah, I'm here, Phys yeah. real physically and spiritually yeah. and mentally, yeah. why I'm still here, why yeah. I'm still in the game. Yeah. Why we're why we're all working so hard yeah. to bring the ocean to folks. Yeah, man. I know. It's pretty cool. It um, is. So one story or just I, I I remember one of the really cool things about the aquarium. So many when I, in my brief time there was you guys had a small juvenile white shark there for a bit, mm -hmm. which was groundbreaking because nobody kept one in captivity as long as you guys had. Yeah, we've had six. Yeah. So what was it like? Oh, you've had six. Jeez, what was it like having those? They're what six, five, six, eight footers, kind of juveniles. Usually juveniles. The biggest animal yeah. that we had in our exhibit, I think, in imperial measurements, were six feet four inches when we finally uh, released, tagged, and released yeah. that animal. Yeah. So the aquarium many years ago embarked upon a project to study white sharks, and at the time, I think the PI of the project had mentioned that we know one or two thimblefuls full of information about white sharks. And we were hoping through this multi-year study to know three or four thimbles full yeah. of information about these white sharks. And 
So the aquarium embarked upon a project where they were tagging uh, juvenile great whites to learn about the movements. They still do it today. Yeah. Uh, we still do it today. Dr. Sal Jorgensen is our PI, mm. um, does great work. He's actually on a, on a fellowship right now in Galapagos doing some work. Um, but we're still in that. But at the time, we were tagging these young animals and we came up with the idea of could we possibly display these animals? Yeah. Um, because you know the myths around sharks, great white sharks especially, uh, hundreds of millions of them are still being killed every year yep. due to bycatch uh, or targeted fishing and shark fins. Um, it's a big deal and they're keystone top predators and so the aquarium very wisely and proactively decided that they needed to um, tell that story. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the twofold impetus to start that project yep. was, yes, yeah, certainly we need to study and contribute to the body of knowledge academically, but then what the aquarium does so well is we then need to take that and tell a story. That's right. And get that story out to the yeah, public. Yeah, make it relevant to right? average everyday folks Absolutely. Yeah. And so what we would do is we would set up an open ocean net pen about a mile off the coast of Malibu uh, every summer for two or three months at a time. And we worked with, I think it was seven or eight fishermen uh, throughout the Southern California Bight, uh, commercial fishermen. And we said, hey, if you guys come across any of any juvenile white sharks uh, that you've caught as accidental bycatch, please let us know. We'll pay for your fuel or there was yeah. something along those lines. Like it was a very nominal fee, but we'll pay for your fuel. You know, don't just throw the animal back. Yeah. Um, let us know. And we worked at the time, we still do work with um, Dr. Chris Lowe and the Cal State University uh, Long Beach Shark Lab. And they were our partners, our rapid response partners down there. And we would uh, put these, these compromised animals into our net pen so that Dr. Lowe and his team of collaborators could uh, study these animals uh, and do a little bit of research on them. And at the same time, we were hoping maybe we could nurse them back to health yeah. and either release them into the ocean, which we did many times, or also uh, the idea was maybe we could bring one or two up for display for a short amount of time, put it in our exhibits, and then tag and release it. Yeah. Well, we've actually, we did that uh, six different times. Yeah. I think the, the wow. program ran seven or eight years and it was my job to supervise all the diving operations inside that net pen mm -hmm. with the white sharks, with the juvenile white sharks. Yeah. So uh, myself and our talented team of scientific yeah. divers, that was, that was our job. Yeah. Living in Southern California and working on this project every day out right, of the water. Right. It was an amazing time. And then how about the animal in the exhibit, right? Because at the at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, you have the open ocean, um, that's what it's called, I believe, right? Yeah, the open Exhi seas. Open seas exhibit. And it's super tall, it's gigantic. There's bluefin tuna, there's turtles, there's scallop hammerheads, there's like it's an open ocean environment, right? It's a gigantic uh, tank. And then we, we put these mahis in there and you put this six foot four to six foot white shark in there at the time a little bit smaller i think four foot eleven is what he went yeah. in there as got it. not six foot four right That's yeah first or second yeah one. and so when you you who work there you see that tank maybe not every day but a lot because you're in it diving you see you guys are in it diving you start to notice kind of this common pattern of behavior of the animals in there then you put this like top predator in there what did you see when that 
shark went in there. Wow, that's a great question. So, did you somebody see tell different? you something? Because, no, I'm just curious. So, did, did the animals go, what the? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, and what's interesting is, you know, by my background now, I am, I'm not a marine scientist, but I've been in the water a lot. Yeah. I've observed animals a lot in the wild and in that exhibit. Yeah. And the, the, the second that our team put that white shark <laughs> in that exhibit, the community changed the behavior changed like that. it was you know to put it again not a marine scientist yeah. but i saw it and we all saw like, it was behavior changed everybody realized that the landlord was in the exhibit no even though way. it was a little baby landlord didn't matter um, the landlord was in the exhibit and um that was a really interesting dynamic time that's cool and so we got a hold of a friend of ours uh, from Shark Reef, Mandalay Bay, which is a, a, an ex, a mm-hmm. aquarium out in Las Vegas, Jack Jewell. And, and Jack had done some chain mail diving and, and he was pretty good at uh, diving with sharks. And so we brought Jack out to kind of train us on how to use chain mail suits yeah. as well as um, we needed to borrow some suits. So thank yeah. you, Jack, by the way. <laughs> and uh, we started diving with that guy. But how we got to chain mail suits was a funny story because we used to dive with the very first iteration of the shark shield. You know the shark shield? No. These guys wear these little electromagnetic devices they you know okay. you, oh yes you can hit the button right. if you see a shark while you're surfing while you're diving yep. and apparently it's supposed to repel sharks right and i think they've done a lot of work with this with this particular yeah. piece of technology and i think it works and it sort of worked in 2004 yeah. 2005 yeah. but it didn't work on a juvenile white shark so <laughs> i think it was the very first dive with that animal myself and uh manny Escura, who's in he's in charge of our shark collection then and now um we get in the water and we go diving and this animal the the juvenile white shark makes three big passes around this 1.2 million gallon exhibit and each one of these passes he gets closer and closer (laughs) to us i'm the safety diver manny's observing the animal looking for behavior signs is it doing well the tail beat frequencies looking at all these different things and this animal three times comes closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and the dive brief in the dive briefing, the protocol was if this animal broke a certain barrier between us, yeah. I was to turn the shark shield on. Yeah. First time the animal comes by, broke the barrier, I turn the shark shield on, nothing happens. <laughs> Manny's doing his thing, he's not even paying attention to me. Second time shark comes around even closer. I turn the thing on, nothing happens. Okay, I'm starting to wonder now. <laughs> Third time, this animal comes, and it it was not interested in biting us or eating us. It's just checking us out. They're very visual, uh, and it swam really close to us. And Manny turned and looked at me, and he's a big guy. I thought he was going to strangle me underwater, like turn that thing on. on. And I slowly turn, and I show him the light that indicates it's on. It's on, on." (laughs) and he's like, oh! Let's get out. We got out of the water. We called Jack Jewel. We said we need to borrow your chainmail suits. We <laughs> FedExed a, a couple for you. FedExed them over. Um, yeah, but that was a really fun project. I think I've got the opportunity to dive with a great white shark in a captive environment, maybe more than any yeah. person yeah. on the planet. Oh, that's so rad. I remember seeing that guy in there, and one of the things that struck me because everybody had to come see it, and I was like, you know, 
even to this day, I've never seen one in the wild after diving. So everything, I've never seen one. People have seen them following me, blah, blah, blah. So seeing one, I was like so stoked. But one thing about that I loved about that little guy was all the animals in the exhibit kind of tend to do like a circular pattern. The tuna, they're a different groups, so but they're all kind of doing sort of a, they're common sort of swirl. I don't know if it's counterclockwise or clockwise, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But then here's that white shark. He's just going against the grain, yeah. you know, and, and fish are parting. He did not care, man. He was My just, pool. Yeah, it was just like that. It was, it was such a, awesome. just a different animal. Yeah. Magnificent. And being majestic. that up close and, and personal with that animal was uh, life-changing. Yeah. Really cool. The amount of respect that, that, that I have for those critters. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they talk about persistence. Yeah. <laughs> That's a white shark. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, man. So this year, you I mean you're you're always doing so many neat things. You went to Gulf of Oman a few months back. Like in 2019, what anything any plans, anything you're looking forward to, new and unusual or exciting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on a personal note, I'm going to Cuba uh, in a couple oh, months wow. to do some diving uh, in some marine protected areas down there. So Sweet. absolutely can't wait to do that. But then the big thing coming down the coming down the road for us at the aquarium is we're going to open ex- an exhibit um, uh that we're calling right now the deep experience. And essentially we're gonna be looking at critters that live in like four to 600 feet of water. So what from, how does that affect me is we're gonna be doing some black water diving operations off the coast of Kona, California to do some observations. And then we've got a really talented team of people that uh, are able to culture uh, jellyfish. Wow. And so the idea is maybe we can start to culture some of these deep water jellies uh, that we can then display for folks. And they're absolutely mesmerizing wow. and amazing looking creatures. Uh, so out off the Kona coast, every night, the largest vertical migration of animals on the planet happens. Wow. And these animals come from thousands and thousands of feet deep, pelagic invertebrates and larval fish come from thousands of feet deep to within 100 to 60 feet of the surface. Jeez. And they come up, I believe they're feeding, and then they come back down no way. each night. The largest vertical migration of animals on earth. Jeez. And um, we're gonna go out and check it out in yeah. August. That's for a couple weeks of diving. Wow. Yeah, so for me, I can't wait to go see that. Basically, we're gonna be suspended a few miles off the coast of Kona in five miles, four miles of deep yep. water um, off of a little trapeze with some lights looking yeah. at uh, jellyfish. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Who knows what else you'll see swimming around too. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Blue sharks, cookie cutter oh, sharks. Yeah, um, Maybe the occasional manta. Yeah. It's it's just, uh, I'm really stoked to go check it out. Nice, man. Nice, nice. Yeah. That sounds insane. Well, I really appreciate hearing all this, man. I can keep going about animals and diving and everything yeah. forever. And uh, thanks for perse- persevering on the scheduling to get you on the show. Thanks for having but, uh, me. It's man, been it's, great. It's been awesome, George. So thanks, thank Josh. you so much, man. All right. Take care. Cool. Peace. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please, you know, uh, hype us up on social media. Always appreciate, you know, spreading the word. Uh, give us a nice little rating on the uh, your podcast app and uh, just keep tuning in. If you're interested in being on the show and sharing some of your life stories, 
uh, hit me up, josh at thisoceanlife.tv. You can PM me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Anyway, thanks again for being here and uh, have a great day.